Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility, experiences, with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Captain Michael King, Regional Administrator for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, to talk about resilience and coping skills. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility, experiences. Today, I'm here with Captain Michael King, Regional Administrator for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Thanks, Lori. My name is Michael King. I'm an officer in the U.S. Public Health Service, and I'm currently stationed in Atlanta, but supporting the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration's regional office as their regional administrator. We're the headquarters for Region 4, which covers Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Prior to this last year with SAMHSA, I, I spent about 16 years at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention here in Atlanta, studying epidemiology and, and helping investigate disease outbreaks and working in various different areas there. We're glad to have you in it. It's a little surprising maybe to people that I reach out to somebody who is a captain for this conversation because we talk about life, but it was fascinating to me when I heard you speaking about all the coping skills that you teach people in the military. And I think that it's so applicable to everybody in everyday life, whether they're having a crisis in the moment or a crisis in their relationship or through a fertility journey or what have you, a pandemic. So thank you again for being here today. The big question, which is on everybody's mind always, especially today, is really, well, how do you function in a time of uncertainty, in a time of, of disarray as we have it? And what kind of tools do we pull out of our toolbox? And what if we were anxious before all of this happened? Like, what do we do with all of this? And that's kind of the conversation yeah. I'd love to have with you today. Well, great. I, I love talking about this stuff. And so one of the things that I, I, I've been really careful about with, with all of these now new video meetings and telephonic meetings is that, you know, in the past, we never really had to have a a connectivity plan. We didn't really have to have a, a, a second plan to stay connected even on a video call, right? But just right. so you know, like if, if this call drops, my apparently everyone's using the bandwidth in my neighborhood right now, I'll call right back into the meeting. So here we are creating a plan just so you know that should I go blank, I'll call right back in. Yes. But going beyond that, in our day-to-day -day life now, we actually have to have connectivity plans, you know? so. Being explicit when you're on the, these video calls, that's just a, a small manifestation of what we're really having to do in our greater life. What I love about that analogy is two minutes before I had to get on with you, my computer broke. And I had to go look for my husband's computer. Yep. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be late for this Zoom call that we're having because I don't have my computer working. Part of what I do for a living is I'm board certified in telemental health. And that's one of the first questions and one of the first things I always review with people is what is the backup plan for if the connectivity doesn't work? So it's really a very perfect analogy for today's day and age. I was just reminded by the internet unstable warning on my desktop and I was like, <laughs> well, well, this is, this is a good conversation starter because we're, we're all struggling with not just how to maintain a social connection to the people that we love or to the people that maybe pay us our paycheck or, or what have you, but 
you know, we're, we're struggling to stay connected to the things that keep us running and keep us on track. It's not just a, an outward focus connection all the time. Sometimes it's that inward focus connection and it's really easy to be distracted by stuff. Well, you know? people are getting very distracted. Um, sometimes you're getting immersed in work. If they still have their job, if they don't have their job, they could be getting immersed in, in the news, in the pandemic, and in the numbers, or just into their own head. If somebody was telling me today and they just go in circles with all these same negative thoughts going on over and over again. So breaking that cycle and trying to keep a focus or find a center is very, very hard. And I think it's something people in the military struggle with. And today, everybody's struggling with it. You first heard me talk about something we call psychological first aid. So when you think about first aid, you think about putting a Band-Aid on, or, and it's something anyone can do. You don't have to be a medical doctor to, to administer first aid to your kid who has a skin knee or to give somebody, you know, some Tylenol or whatever. But psychological first aid is really just about learning how to be a, a, a good friend to somebody, to, to, be a, to be a fellow human and to be compassionate. So, you know, when we, it, and it's not very sophisticated, right? It's, it's a really just so applying some basic rules of warmth, empathy, and genuineness, the foundation of, of social work. The idea that you're respectful and you, if you see somebody who you might be wondering, are they okay? You ask them permission to help out or to talk. So you're, you're not being intrusive. You're, you're, hey, you know, hey, you want to talk? And if they don't want to talk, you just let them, let them be. You might offer people just practical assistance, maybe just handing someone a bottle of water or offering to get them a cup of coffee if they look a little stressed out. Sometimes it's just a small gesture. People learning how to listen, learning how to not say things. It's a skill. A lot of people don't believe that. They think, oh, I know how to listen. I've got ears. Just like, I know how to run because I've got feet. No, it doesn't make any sense, right? So taking a little bit of time to invest in learning how to be an active listener. So learning how to, to mirror, to summarize, to, to label, provide some feedback in, in a way that's not your opinion and that's not you talking more than somebody else. Yeah, that can be really hard to do with people that you really care about. You want to fix it and you want to give them a solution and you want to say, okay, let's do X, Y, and Z. Sometimes though, just to let them get it out is cathartic. If, you, if they can hear themselves say it out loud. But what you're talking about is being able to receive it. Yeah, it goes both ways. This is that connection thing. Being, being available to somebody else to not solve their problem but just to allow them to share it, that's a powerful thing. And it takes, it takes self-control. It also takes some training, I think. It takes a little bit of practice. So with our officers, we'll, we'll even script it out, repeat the last three words of what they said, you know, or summarize what they just told you. And then it becomes this scripted role play, but it allows people to practice the reflex of just not leaping in to solve someone else's problem. And, letting them want to be there right which is important it's important and it's something that you want them to be able to do so at a practical level what if you're that person who needs that assistance how do you do that or how do you let people know you're struggling that's also hard because you know i work with a, a number of first responders and they're the last people to ask for help they are they're, they've got their super capes on whether they can see the cape or not they will suffer in silence we know there, there are plenty of stories in the media about first responders 
causing harm to themselves and, and suffering without ever telling anyone. And a lot of times the, the best solution for that is not necessarily more self-awareness, although planning ahead is a really good thing. And I, I like to talk to my responders about personal resilience planning, but having a buddy, we all would benefit from making sure we have a, a couple other eyes on us at, at all times. More than one, in fact. I would recommend having a couple of buddies because sometimes a buddy might get distracted right when you need somebody to be watching out for you. And an analogy I used, I think, in that last talk was the idea that we have taillights in our car, but we never know when they're out, right? Right. Driving down the road with a taillight out and we'll get a ticket when, when our buddy could have told us, hey, you know, you're not looking you're like yourself. You may need to step away or something. And so I think the best advice, besides having a plan, and you were talking about this earlier, having some kind of plan, having a buddy is the, is the starting point. I work with couples also. So um, I mentioned to you, I, I work with, I have a general practice, I specialize in fertility, but I work with couples quite a bit with relationships. And I'll look at somebody and I'll say, are you okay today? And it's interesting because their partner hasn't picked up on the fact that they're not. Yeah, yeah well, and, and then if you're, if you're in a space yourself that you're able to contribute meaningfully. Sometimes the best buddy is maybe someone who's a little away from the situation. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is someone who's right in it, you know, but it's all hands on deck all the time, right? We don't know when we're going to need those extra set of eyes. We really don't. I try and give people little different kinds of tools that once they recognize that they need that buddy or they need that help, to take a minute and check in with themselves. So I find myself doing that a lot. As soon as you start to feel your jaw clench, or as soon as you start to feel yourself tighten up, you know there's something just not right. And what do you do then? Because sometimes there's nobody around. You gotta have some method. There are a lot of ways that we do this with our responders. Sometimes we'll give them a checklist of events. Say if you're in a call center and you know that you've talked to a family that's lost somebody, you've talked to somebody who's been very sick, you've made some tough decisions in a day. And if you can check a lot of these boxes in any given day, then you know you need to activate your, your plan. That's, that's a very objective way. A, a more subjective way would be, you know, every day you have a thermometer, your emotional thermometer, and you can kind of check where your emotional temperature is. And if it's starting to get too high, pop the parachute, right, before you hit the ground and, and use one of your strategies. And then we could talk a lot about, I think you'd ask me about a few strategies, and I'm, I'm happy to share. There are a number that I use with our first responders regularly. I think they're very helpful for people. I volunteered to be one of the people who runs groups for people who call into the call-in center for the, the city of New York. Because there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on everywhere. And you had to take a training. They said to the, uh, the people taking the training, make sure you take a minute or two for yourself or longer before the group session and after, even if you don't think you need it. So they're really providing that thermometer, that check-in that you're talking about to the volunteers to ensure that they have that moment to decompress or prepare or whatever it is that they need to do before and after the sessions. You know, and everyone might have a little different method. I think it may have been maybe Carl Jung who took a shower after every session with every client to like a physical shower. 
or something like that, you know, that, but everyone has a little uh -huh. a ritual or a routine to deal with what they, they might take on and, and how to take care of themselves and, and reconnect with themselves. Would this be a, a good time for me to talk about some of those tools? I wonder because yeah, I, the, the importance of that taking that moment, that emotional temperature check, I think it's reconnect with yourself is so that you can then connect with others and you can then give to others. That's really the significant point. And you can go around and maybe smile a little bit or have a better day and be able to come up with your own plan. So I think it would be a great time to talk about coping skills because they're essential. And what I love about them is they're quick and they're easy and they're doable. Yeah. Kind of pull them in your back pocket, so to speak, and pull them out when you need them. Yep, we could spend a, another hour or so talking about all these, but the things that I like to, to tell folks, first off, just in your day, picking the one thing that you need to get done uh -huh. any given day, right? Just if you did that, if you did that one thing, everything else is going to be easy or everything else is manageable. So instead of having a long checklist of lots of little things, make sure you have that one big thing and then just really focus on that. That tends to focus people. Another thing that you can use as a tool to get back centered was is just your breath. You know, our, our breath is an unconscious activity that is directly linked to our nervous system. Depending on how long you exhale, you can stimulate your valgus nerve and basically upregulate or deregulate based on how you breathe. And so even if you think about an, something that makes you anxious, you're, you'll find your breathing is different, right? So there's this mind-body connection. So learning how to lengthen your exhale so that your exhale is longer than your inhale and then control your breath. And even just spending a few minutes doing focused timed breathing, like the, the box breathing where you inhale for a few seconds, hold it, then exhale for a few seconds and hold it. That will allow you to regulate. Why do you want to exhale slower or slower than you inhale? So there, it has a, a an upregulate or deregulating sort of uh, downregulating function. So the, the longer the exhale, parts of your body get stimulated in ways that short, sharp exhales don't get stimulated. So, and, and you can try this at home. Any, anyone who doesn't have a pre-existing respiratory condition, I would say, okay. you can try this at home. Or you can just imagine those videos you've seen of the old Lamaze technique <laughs> where people are <laughs> breathing out really rapidly. Uh -huh. Or you can imagine, like, uh, if you watch any combat sports nowadays, or people doing exciting adrenaline-driven sports, you'll see them doing short, sharp ex exhales, which is them getting hyped up. Uh -huh. And it's actually, the, the way they're breathing is contributing to their level of arousal. Whereas if you, long, slow, extended exhales, and there's a lot of science behind this that I won't go into, but the idea is, that stimulates part of your, this nerve, which kind of runs all through your body, which just causes you to um, inadvertently, you know, without conscious effort to relax. Think about a sigh. Think about, you know, right. how, how people react when they're, when they're calming. It's because that's how we function as an organism. So lots of times I'll give people, I'll say to everybody, you all have nine seconds or 12 seconds. So if you have nine seconds or 12 seconds, you could do a few breaths and I'll walk them yep. through that. So if they're very anxious yeah. and they have time and they're very busy and they're type A personality, I'll give them the one for three seconds. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> got nine seconds and that's kind of how I present it to people. Yeah. And no one knows you're doing it. That's the nice yeah. thing too. You can, uh -huh. people can do it 
in combination with other techniques. They can do it in combination with their personal mantra. You know, maybe it's slow is smooth, smooth is fast, or, or from uh, Finding Nemo, the just keep swimming, <laughs> Dory mantra, what, you know, whatever keeps you focused on your one important thing or whatever is important now. That, that's a great one for people who are going through this and they're feeling a little panic. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Yeah. You know, breathe. So combinations of these, these techniques. One that I like, because everyone has a cell phone now, okay. is the, the virtual holodeck or your virtual North Star. You can have a picture of some place that you love on your, on your cell phone that you can just flip too fast. Or maybe you know, you're, you're, you're away from your kids, your kids are your North Star, so you just keep your oh. North Star picture there. Those ideas, the visual stimuli is really helpful. Right. And a final one that I'll just say that's, that's is helpful for a lot of folks who are experiencing high anxiety. They're just kind of foggy and they're not really feeling yeah. present or they're, they're letting their anxiety take them somewhere else is just to focus on three things you see, three things you can hear, and three things you can feel that are just normal and non-distressing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really quick and easy to just acknowledge some stuff in your environment. You can kind of repeat that as you're breathing. All five senses, you could do, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and, you know, mm -hmm. involve taste and touch and sight. And anyway, get in touch with your senses. So I, I like the three, 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 because it's three things. and three is a good number. <laughs> I'm a true believer in using your senses. I actually wrote like a short article, I don't know, I think the end of last year for my newsletter about communicating with your five senses. That very much goes along with what you're talking about today. It has to do with listening to people. It has to do with taking stock of the surrounding. And now you're giving a three, three, three exercise with it because we have five senses for a reason. And we, we notice, when we don't have use of one, the impact it makes. Yep. So it's, yep. it's great to be able to connect with them. Yeah, yeah. In this pandemic, I'll point out, ironically, it's it's interesting that one of the symptoms of, of having COVID infection was, was the loss of one of those senses. Yes. And it's a really interesting thing to me that one of the techniques we can use to stay in connection with ourselves could also be a really good indicator of when we might need some help <laughs> like, uh-oh, I can't taste my coffee like I want to. Right. Maybe I need to go get some help. Yeah, that's a really, really good analogy. So we want to check in with ourselves, too. And so when we notice ourselves not right in one way or another, we know we're off. It's yep. a good time to take that moment. So I use the expression pause and perspective quite a bit. Sometimes when you just don't know what to do and you're spinning, if you just take that moment and check in with yourself, and see if you can gain perspective on a situation. It's very, very helpful. And if you incorporate what you're talking about today, which is to just come up with a simple plan for the day. The plan might even be getting out of bed for the day. We don't know. We don't know where you're at in life. So it can be a real simple plan, but we want to at least get moving a little bit yep. as much as we can. And as we're doing this re-entry into society again, I'm not sure where you're located right now. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, open for business. Yeah, for business. everyone's trying to figure out how to get out of bed and taking those micro steps in the right direction. Yeah, so you're in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in New York and people are afraid to walk outside on the street. 
how do you prepare yourself? How do you come up with a plan? And what information do you take in as you decide you're going to re-enter society in the way that we hope is this kind of new normal? It's tough. I, I like that you mentioned getting out of bed too. That actually is a is a, is another technique. Right now, it's very common for folks to have sort of that can't get out of bed thinking. You know, just being paralyzed in a sense. And so, finding what's the smallest step you can do in the opposite direction of whatever paralyzing mm -hmm. thought you're having. You know, one foot at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, and then just building on those micro steps is another great thing. You really have to just evaluate where you are. And if you need some support, I think it's a great time to go and get it. I think these tools transcend a pandemic. I think they transcend everything in life. We're always going through some type of a situation in life at some point, not always every day. This is unusual, but at some point we're making decisions. We're trying to plan for the future. I love the idea of the virtual that you talked about, like a virtual star. And lots of times I'll tell people to fantasize or daydream about what it is that makes them smile or makes them feel good and to hold on to that because there's nothing wrong with daydreaming or fantasizing to help bring you down a little bit. Some people though are starting to drink a little bit more. Have you heard that? Liquor sales has gone up tremendously. Maybe not so much now where you are in Atlanta, everything's open, but restaurants are selling drinks on the streets to try and stay in business. So when your own personal alcohol oh, yeah. That's another sign or another trigger that we need some coping strategies in there. Yeah. So, you know, the agency that I work for, our mission is to reduce the impact of substance abuse on communities. And, and we're, we've seen because of the change in behavior, the, the change in where people are, the habits that have come along with that are, are not always super healthy. And even before this pandemic, there were large segments of the population that had trouble with substance use and, and alcohol being the easiest to access. All of those who are on the edge of having a problem, this has just pushed them over that edge. And you know, the, the combination of being home all day, being out of sight, having stress that they don't know how to cope with. And then of course, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the restaurants, the relaxation of the liquor laws, I mean, People are going in and getting their takeout food now with like three margaritas to go yeah. and they're walking out the door with them. And so we're starting to see that, you know, the, the impact of that. And I, it's an important point for me personally, you know, in my, in my professional role here. And also because I'm, I'm driving on the streets out there with these people who are, who are now, you know, affected. I, I want everyone who ever hears this, podcast to remember that you can still find help out there even during the pandemic. Uh, findtreatment.gov is, is still active. The website, the findtreatment.samsa.gov is another treatment finder. And these websites are available 24-7. People can go to them. They can find help for themselves or others. This has not shut down because of the pandemic. So there's still help out there if you know somebody who is you believe to be having trouble with alcohol or drugs at this time or any sort of mental health issue, you can still yeah. get them help. I'm glad that you said that because the resources are there right now and the fees have been eliminated or reduced drastically because we're recognizing that people need help right now and they're struggling, they're struggling. And a lot of people live alone, at least in Manhattan. And this is very hard to go through alone. It really is. We thrive on other people. We're social beings. 
even if we like to be home, even my friends who are like the biggest home buddies are all struggling with this right now. You need other people. It's really a time to check in and make sure that you're getting your needs met. And if you're not, reach out to a professional agency if you need to, or a therapist in the area if you need to, whoever it is that you think could provide you with the help. And you don't have to feel like you're burdening anybody with it because you're really not. The problems that you're going through, your loved ones recognize on some level, they may just not know how to ask you how you're going through them. So we need to take our temperature. We need to use psychological first aid, not just on the people that are close to us, but on ourselves too. Yep. And there's simple tools that are available for anybody who wants them. When people start to drink more than they usually do or get high a little bit more than they usually do, one of the questions lots of times I'll ask is, well, are you doing it because you're bored? Or are you doing it because you're self-medicating? What's going on? Well, it's probably a little of both. Probably. You know? I, I, yeah. I, I know plenty of people who are who did not have any problems before this that I knew of, and yet just because they're home all the time, they their habits have changed. And when you start to ask them about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a little odd, you know? So it's just remember that, you know, when you're talking to people, they may not be aware that their habits have changed. You might have to be that mirror for them and say, I noticed that you're holding a beer and it's nine o'clock in the morning, you know, or, you know, what's, I noticed that I smell something different about you today. Is that tequila? And, and they may not want to hear it from you at all. So the other piece that is important for everybody to recognize also is that most people bounce back. Most folks are resilient. That's, and we have to remember that. I, I love that you mentioned this, the idea of hope. Even like you and I may be the lucky ones. We are the resilient ones. And it's important to remember that there's a lot of hope right now for everybody. You know, and most people are going to get through this okay. We're going to get through this okay. And it's normal to feel distress. And not everyone is going to become alcoholic or have any sort of serious mental health issues. It's just going to be hard for everyone for a while. And But I, I think the parting message here is there is help available, but there's hope for all of us. You know, we're, we're going to get through this. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I do a lot of work in fertility and the organization that's actually the largest in the United States is called Resolve. It's a great name because people have a lot of resilience and a, res a lot of resolve. So thank you. Thank you for all of these tools. I think they're great. I think it gives us a whole nother way of, of being able to help ourselves and those that we really care about. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I like the idea of ending the conversation on hope. And uh, I guess just to remind everyone that every, every health and human services region has a SAMHSA regional administrator and a regional office. They are there as your points of contact uh, in your area. It, should you wanna reach out, you can find our contact information on the SAMHSA website. If you know somebody who needs help or if you need help yourself, findtreatment.gov or findtreatment.samhsa.gov. Those are two online treatment finders. There are also national helplines. If you don't have the internet, but you have a phone, you can call a helpline. Uh, in fact, I was gonna, I should have, I should have the helpline number. Why don't I have the national helpline number here? Um, I don't have it on. Oh, you know what? Here we go. 
National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, I'm gonna give you that one rather than the, just the National Helpline because this is, a, this is a big issue. So 1-800-273-8255. Great. 800-273-8255. So that's, that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And then I don't, I'm not pulling up the helpline right now, but uh, just there's help out there if, if anyone needs it. But we're gonna get through this. It's, it's gonna be hard for everybody for a while, but stay connected to yourself, stay connected to others, have a future focus and focus on what you can control, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and talking to us today. And if anybody has any questions or comments, they can reach out to me at laurimetz.net. Thank you. Hey, thanks again.